Kira and I are huge, huge fans of Entourage. I mean, like, I don't know if a lot of people, you know, come up to you. Like, I came up to you randomly. I was like, holy shit. People do come up to me. Usually it's, you know, 40-year-old dudes. <laughs> <laughs> Man of the year, man of the year, man of the year. Welcome to the number one friendship podcast in the country. I'm Aaron Cairo. I'm Matt Ritter. So Matt, we work in Hollywood. We are Hollywood. We are Hollywood. And we've had success. We're balling. Um, and I also think we have a great entourage. Yeah, I mean, probably, we'll di- are you saying you want to ditch them or what do you want to do? Here? Well, I don't think we can ditch them until we've climbed like another couple. Okay. Yeah. We're not runs. there yet. Well, let's keep them around. Right. Exactly. You know who also had a great entourage? The show Entourage. Entourage. Yes. Entourage. Um, and our special guest today, Doug Ellen, created Entourage, Entourage. The creator, showrunner, executive producer of Entourage. Also, Long Island Boy. Yes. Love I, that. Long Island Boys do make good. Yeah, we do. Or is it like just the ones that do make good make it known? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Survivorship bias. Yeah. True. Because there's a lot of Long Island boys that just make it not great. But I do think the show like is definitely like analogous to our buddies here who obviously were kidding. We would never leave them. We all loved Entourage because it was an authentic show about friendship. Like first time you saw guys really, really like ribbing each other the real way. Yeah. Yeah. I you th- know? So- yeah, I think you guys are going to love this interview. He's a really funny guy, and uh, we'll talk about it on the other side. Doug, great to meet you, man. Thanks, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Long Island boys, what's going yeah. on? That's right. That's right. Yeah, so you are a, a proud son of Merrick. Yeah. Uh, uh, Belmore JFK. We are proud sons of Plainview, Plainview JFK. The better JFK. The, the better JFK, I always say. <laughs> um, uh, and so, as you know, we have the same nine friends from Plainview. That's the whole genesis of our podcast. Yeah. Are do you still boys with your Long Island crew? Like, what? What's yeah. the What's the Doug Ellen crew like? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 actually ridiculous. I mean, we, the girls and the guys. I mean, I I am probably in touch on a at least monthly basis with at least thirty five people from class of eighty six JFK, wow. and, and we have a chat with. My guys, I mean, we have one bigger chat, but my guys, I think there's nine of us in that chat that have known each other. I think maybe one or two weren't from kindergarten, but the rest are from kindergarten. So, and the girls, the girls too, a lot of them. So we, I mean, it's, it's crazy. And we've all gone back to five year, 10 year, 20 year, 30 year. Um, even saw the last one in thirty year. I mean, it's not funny, but uh, yeah, I walked into my thirty year and I saw a guy I grew up with who I was, you know, friendly with, who um, was the tough guy in my school, and and I love him. I mean, I shouldn't say that; I'd be in trouble. But uh, I saw him. I said, "Chris, you're not going to cause any trouble tonight." You know, he's like, "Come on, I've changed," and uh, <laughs> I have a great picture of us from that night. And six months later, he was arrested for five murders, and he's uh, he's doing life. Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think he had a gym in, in Plainview. So, but anyway, we had a wild crew. Merrick was an, an incredible place to grow up. And, um, you know, you guys know Long Island and, and Merrick really was like, I mean, Goodfellas is Merrick. It was the Jews living next to the Italians. It was the mob next to the dentist. And uh, it, it was a pretty interesting, awesome place to grow up. So, 
Uh, that's not where I thought that story was going. Um, <laughs> but, but well, people never change, crew. right? People my, people never really change. But my core crew are all good, good group of guys and and girls. You know, um, you know, my some of my best friends are still my my girlfriends from from elementary school. So it's very interesting and cool. They've all, I mean, I used to have at my uh, my entourage premieres legitimately thirty or forty people from JFK. Um, and, and Merrick all together because, uh, you know, from Lakeside and um, what was the other one? Ch I went to Lakeside, but Chatterton. So it, it's and a lot of people always say that for whatever reason, Long Island has that groups. Like when you guys say you have that, like I meet friends out in L.A. And when I tell them that these are my best friends, you know, they, they don't even understand it, you know. So and I really wanted my kids to grow up like that, which. That didn't happen in L.A. It's just a very scattered, different world, although they have they have some friends, but it'll be it'll be cool to see whether they, you know, when they're in their 40s and 50s, if they're still friends with people they grew up with. So. I, I have a take on that is that, like, I think it's for the more like middling towns that that actually exists for like yeah. everybody more grounded towns. I'm not so sure the Roslyn's and Great Next <laughs> World have that same. Yeah. Side 30 year crew. Yeah, the, the more working class, I think the more people stick together. And, you know, the houses were on top of each other, which, you know, I loved. I mean, we had, I, I mean, I can name my entire block. We had, I could walk out of my house and there were 20 kids that I could play basketball, hockey, football with right in front of my house. Um, so I, I love that experience. Matt, didn't we have something in an early podcast that like, as property values go down, like friendship goes up. Yeah, we like definitely that. did. We did on Long Island for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, by the way, neighbors. My neighbor was a sump, a sewage basin. My mom used to joke, "Oh, it makes a great neighbor." I'm like, "No, mom. You know what makes a great neighbor? A neighbor, a human." <laughs> <laughs> so, so Doug, complete opposite question. When's the last time you made a new friend? I mean. I I'm I I do make new friends mostly through pickleball, but I'm I don't I don't. It's weird because I do have so many long term friendships, but I don't also at the same time really like people that much. So I don't <laughs> like to uh, I don't like to acquire new friends that often anymore, you know. Um, but uh, I feel like I've made some new ones recently, but mostly from pickleball, you know, which I know we'll get into later, but. Um, I don't even go out a lot. So, um, but now, actually, you know what? I'm not saying I made friends, but it was wild because, you know, you guys are still younger than me. And I, I ran into Matt in, in the Hamptons and he's having a baby and he's kind of living my life from 20 years ago. Um, and it really, it does go fast. But I just had, a, I have a six month old or seven month old and I just had a mommy and me class. So, I mean, it's so surreal to be doing this over again. And I met actually, a, you know, a Jersey kid who who looked, you know, the guy, I, the guy I named the guy that Vince on Entourage was based after was my my buddy, Andrew Abbott and Marco from, you know, JFK 86. And this kid walked into the mommy and me class. He's probably 30. And he looked just like my boy growing up in high school. And, uh, you know. Fortunately, he had watched Entourage and knew all about it. I said, you look exactly like the guy that I modeled Vince after. So it was cool. But I don't know if he's a new friend because he thinks I'm kind of old. But, you know, good, cool, young guy, you know. Doug, my, my, my agenda here is to become dad friends with you. I mean, come on. That's, that's what's going on here. That's well, we gotta make, it's, about the, it's about making the kids friends now for me, you know. It's like yeah. I want to find like, you know, and I still have I still have some good friends from my kids 
their parents. So, um, and, you know, now seeing that, because some of them do have the relationships. I just had Coachella at, um, I have a house in the desert and my kids uh, brought some friends and some of them were friends, you know, from elementary school. So that was cool. Who I'm still friends with the parents. By the way, Doug, you say you don't, you're not acquiring any new friends. You've never met Matt. Matt will just, he will weasel there his way in there and we'll okay. be best friends before he's very charming. No, I mean, I've been, I've been slow playing it since last summer. Very charming. Matt, Matt and I became close in the Hamptons. We, we yeah. spent, I don't remember the coffee shop, but we were in, uh, it's you know, in SAG. I'm going back. I'm going back in August. So. I hope I'm going back in August. We'll see. I got to go see my dad. So talk about the other part. So like now you've got this podcast with the entourage guys, like at some, at some point you obviously became close with these guys. Like, yeah. Are they as close? Are you as close with those guys? I, mean, I know it's a different friendship, obviously, like your childhood friends are your childhood friends. But do you feel like you have achieved that, like in adulthood with these other guys? And what is that? What is that like? You know, well, what's so interesting, you know, Entourage, I was casting for my friends. Like that's what I was doing. You know, it was inspired by by Wahlberg. And um, but I, I told him from the get go, I need to make this New York, not Boston. And while some people think that's similar, there are big, subtle differences that I I get. So I was casting my friends and from pretty much, you know, instantaneously, we were all very close and uh you know, most of us are, have remained close. So when we do the podcast, a lot of people say it does. It feels like your friends, you know, that you've listened to for 20 years, because that's what we are. And we don't, you know, again, I, you know, I've got a baby and a, and a fiance and two older kids. So I don't, I'm not out and about, but we speak in text all the time. And, and, you know, when we do the podcast, it is like high school, you know, you see these guys and it's like, you know, we're, we're together every day, almost it feels like, but have the guys who some of them are based on, have your real friends kind of met? You said you brought them to the like premieres and stuff. Have they met their kind of like character and like hung out? Like, is there a turtle in your crew? Have they, have they hung out? Like, oh, yeah. Turtle? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, turtle was like a combination of people and, and, and drama, you know, Wahlberg has a real Johnny drama. Who's this hilarious <laughs> character, but I still took more traits from some of my friends. So yeah, they've, they've all met, they've all hung out. We're talking, you know, 20 years we've traveled together, you know, I mean, um, so they, they all know each other and, you know, and other characters, ancillary characters were all based on, there's at least 20 names from JFK, uh, Merrick that were in the show that were based on friends of mine, you know, we always talk about like friend crews, you know, and the friend crew dynamic. I'm curious, like, what is your role in your friend crew? Like Cairo is like our friend of utility. I'm the friend of pleasure. You know, obviously in the entourage group, they all kind of fill the role. But like, what is your role in your in you your know, actual friend group? Oh, it's funny because we when we talk about it on the podcast, and if you know entourage, you know E was was the manager and whatever. Yeah. I mean, that's who I am. And and Connolly on the podcast always talks about that. Everybody complains about him that he's the fucking pain in the ass. <laughs> he's the one who th that was always me. I was the one who I wasn't the huge partier. I wasn't the crazy one. I was more of the you know mellow moral compass that some people thought was like complaining too much or whatever. But um, you know that that was more me. So. Do you, do you, did you get, I mean, obviously you have these friends from childhood and it seems like everybody's pretty grounded and humble, but you obviously got hugely successful. I don't know how, how well everybody else in your merit crew did, but I'm assuming you're at the apex yeah. of, you know, both financial and just notoriety. You know, how did you navigate that with friendship? You know, was it easy because of your crew? I mean, I'm sure you probably had some, there had to have been some hanger honors that tried to latch on at some point. 
Not real. I mean, I guess, I, I guess, you know, I had a real drama and it wasn't that he tried to latch on. He was always latching on even when we were in kindergarten. <laughs> but my best friends, no one ever, um, I don't think anyone ever really gave a shit. You know, we always have been exactly the same. And, and when people, you know, when people see me and, and it's always like a weird question because, you know, you go, oh, have you changed? Have you done this? I, I mean, none of my friends have changed. We talk about it all the time. We're almost all exactly like we were when we were kids. Nothing's changed. Most of my friends are, and and I'm I'm not talking massive financial success, but most of them are have become pretty successful. You know, they've all done well. They all have great families. Um, and I don't think we've ever had any of those issues of, of jealousies or or any of that stuff. And we've all always been kind of like I say, inclusive. They've always you know, been invited to whatever I'm doing. I think I've shown them some great experiences. They've gotten to meet, you know, I mean, my, you know, I, I got to find this picture, but my entire, I probably had, uh, yeah, we shot at Yankee Stadium. Mark Teixeira got us Yankee Stadium for uh, Entourage. And I had all of my friends be extras there, bring their kids. Um, and we had the running Yankee Stadium for the day. So, um, you know, the, the, those are some special things, but again, no, nobody treated me any different and I never treated anybody else any different. And, you know, one of the shows I was trying to do after Entourage was about that because, you know, I have friends who are freaking billionaires and I have friends who own pool cleaning companies that do very well, but there's never been that kind of feeling of like, oh, this guy's so different. And why is he like that? So we've all really maintained the same kind of dynamics that we always had. Matt, do you, uh, do you think, because we're the only two guys in our group who are Hollywood, like, do you think our friends, like, give a shit? They seem excited about our stuff, but also they seem like they don't get it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I've always felt like our friends don't totally get what we do here. <laughs> right. I don't know if you've ever sort of had that feeling of, like, they don't really get what you will. Now, they probably when they started seeing it on TV, but did you ever feel before that that they didn't really get what you were doing? Well, I mean, you know... People always used to say, what are you doing? They were starting their careers and, you know, I'm I'm sitting here where they, they don't even understand like how I'm going to eat and how I'm going to live. Um, so a, a little bit, you know, obviously the world's so different now because, you know, when I came to L.A. 30 years ago, there was no social media and there was no Internet. So it was just all kind of quiet. And, you know, all of a sudden, you know, I, I mean, you know, my first movie, you know, which was, you know, a hundred thousand dollar movie, but still, you know, as you guys know, in Hollywood, if you get a movie in a movie theater, you know, when you're 22 years old, something's gone well, even if everybody hates the movie. But uh, I had that movie out at my at my five year uh, high school reunion. And I remember just feeling really good, even though I was paid like I think I got paid like fourteen thousand dollars to write and direct this movie, but it was playing all over the freaking world. So when I came to the five-year reunion, I felt pretty cool, but people still were like, you know, how much money? Like, what do you do? <laughs> yeah, you know, this yeah, and that, yeah. you know, as we know, um, our business every day, people ask us like, what's going on? What's next? What are you doing? Like, you, you could have a billion dollars and they still make you feel like you're a loser. You know? <laughs> and you don't ask them the questions. You don't ask your, your dentist friend if he got any new teeth to work on this month. <laughs> they, they, always, they always do that to us. So even now at 55, every day in the chat, you know, I have a new show that I, I just produced and, and financed and trying to sell. And every day on the chat, it's like, what's going on with the show? And leave me alone. Like when it's on TV, you'll see it just like last time, you know? You know what? That makes me want to go to my doctor friends. Like, oh, I hear HMOs reading your fucking lunch, man. Yeah. Well, I mean, Shane, I think it was Shane Black wrote this great uh, article in Variety. I don't know if you guys ever saw it. It was like, uh, 
no, I will not read your goddamn. Yeah, story. yeah, yeah. yeah. I love you know, and, and I, I mean, even you know, the amount of times like my buddy Scott Lavin, who I love, but um, I, I named Scott Kahn, played him, you know, or his name on my show, and uh, you know, he's a lawyer, he's an estates and trust attorney, and he called me one day. He's like, "Can you, uh, can you read my buddy's script?" And I was like, uh, "No," and I, I didn't even like discuss it with him. He's like, "Why not?" I'm like, because it takes a long time to read scripts. I'm to be honest with you, like I don't read a lot of scripts that my agent sends me because I'm I'm lazy and I hate bad scripts. And he, you know, he'll laugh now about it, but he got mad at me. And I'm like, I'm like, Scott, did you read it? He goes, No. I go, hmm. you didn't even read it, and you want me to read it? He goes, What do I know about a screenplay? I go, You're an estates and trust attorney. If I started asking you to do people's like estates, you know, and trusts for free, would you want to do that? You know, so they they don't understand that part of it, and they don't understand the that it is a time consuming thing to read a screenplay. And if you're going to sit down for two hours and really delve into it, you want to hope that it's going to have something to do with your life rather than you know your friend in New Jersey. You know, it's also this like. I think it's people feel that it's accessible. Like they can, anybody yeah. can do it. Yeah. And, 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 and they sort of can. Yeah. And, and you know, it's a difference between a lawyer. You can't just be a bad lawyer. You actually have to go to school for it. You could be a bad screenwriter. You can be a bad comedian. Like you can do that instantaneously, but that is the thing that they always don't get. And you know, they, they think it's just like, okay, well, someone wrote a script. It must be good. You know? I actually, I was a bad lawyer, actually, uh, <laughs> once upon a time. I think I told you that because you, your, your brother is a big time lawyer, actually, yeah. Uh, yeah. pretty revered in the biz. I got I to gotta ask, best year of Entourage versus year of your brother as a partner at a huge firm? Who's pulling down more? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It would be hard to say. My brother is so uh, conservative. <laughs> um, I couldn't even tell you what he was making and also the – the opportunities for investments that he got based on the people that he came into contact with. So, but I, mine was much more exciting that I can tell yeah. you, you know, yeah, my, yeah. my years were go. much more exciting, but I, I would probably take his bank account over mine. Wow. Yeah. I know. I know. Cause I always, my friends always send me articles like, Oh, did you see the average salary of partner at a law firm? How's things going in Hollywood? I'm like, yes, I get it. I'm not getting an average <laughs> of 7 million a year. But my brother also, I mean, you know, I, I shouldn't talk about it, but my brother lived in the same apartment for 30 years that he, he moved in after he graduated Harvard Law. So he, his expenses, I mean, he's a different kind of guy. Uh -huh. um, if I could make his expenses, uh, I would never think about money. Yeah, I know, I know those guys. Wait, let's talk about pickleball. We got to talk about pickleball. So Caro and I never touched it. I'm, I no, no, I didn't... play pickleball. Oh, you have? I play with my parents at the Y. Oh, you did? Okay. So I've never yeah. played. What the hell's wrong with you? I feel, I feel a little insulted on some level that nobody's invited me, really. I, I feel like there's a little bit of a chip on my shoulder now. I don't want to like it because nobody invited me to play it kind of thing. So I, just, I guess I just don't get it yet. Can you just give me like the, the quick sell of like why it's taken off so much? Like, Is it the social? Is it the sport? Like, What is it that makes are, pickleball the new thing? Are you a tennis player or no? Yeah, I like tennis. So... um. I like to think, and I was on Entourage, ahead of the curve on a lot of things, whether it was Apple products that before they really existed. And um, I, I do tend to see things before they really come to fruition. And, you know, Phil Mickelson was on my, on my show and I was in the desert and I walked by this court that Phil Mickelson was on. He's playing pickleball. It looks like some, you know, 
moronic version of tennis. And I'm like, what in the hell is this? And uh, he said, you want to play? And I got on the court. And the second I got on the court, I knew that like I found like my next 20 years of athletics. I ran a basketball game in L.A. for a decade. I was getting hurt nonstop. And by the way, now pickleball, which has become much more athletic and aggressive, people are getting hurt. So I don't want to make it like they're not. But it's not like it's, not, you know, I think the most common uh, emergency room visits allegedly are like basketball, 50 year olds playing basketball, 40 year olds. So for me, um, who loves tennis and was never quite as as good as I would have liked to be, there are things you can do on a pickleball court that you could never do on a on a tennis court. You can also play with different levels of people and have fun, um, like ping pong. Um, but you can also get to a level of competitiveness where, you know, um, you can destroy people that, you know, think that it's very simple and very easy. So um, I have the amount of people that I've put into this sport over the last seven years and from literally laughing in my face to now seeing it on ESPN, Sports Illustrated, LeBron James owning a team, Tom Brady owning a team. Um, it is I don't know. And, I, and I'm an owner of this, you know. Chicago Slice Major League Pickleball, and I, I would love to sell it that it's going to be this worldwide televised thing. I, I'm not sure about that yet. What I do know is that participation in it is going to continue to grow every single day astronomically because the stickiness of, of it is just incredible. It's fun, it's exercise, and it is very social. And like I say, most of the friends I've made over the last eight years are from pickleball, you know? Um, it's just, it's the only sport I've ever played. Like I, I was obsessed with basketball. I never like went on a vacation and said, oh, how do I find some people to get on, you know, to play some basketball with me today? This, I traveled to Italy. I sent nets and lines and rackets over so I could play in Italy. I'll go to Florida. I'll get on Facebook rooms, which I'm not like a guy who meets strangers. And I'll be like, anyone, anyone know pickleball players in uh, South Florida? And it is that type of obsessive thing. I don't know if you saw, you know, Mike Malone wins the NBA championship and yeah. the next day he's playing pickleball. And, and it really is that thing. I wake up every day and go, this is what I want to do today, you know? So, and, and every one of my friends that have gotten to play feels the same way. So you got to get me in a game. <laughs> Everybody says that too. It's like the screenwriting thing. And like my fiance gets Reader. mad. Watch my, my pickleball reel, man. Watch my pickleball reel. My fiance gets mad at me because we, you know, we have a house in the desert and there's a club and all these people play. And it's not that I'm being snobby. If I'm going to spend two hours, I want to play with people that I think are on my level. Doesn't matter what anybody else thinks, but I won't even like play with a lot of these people. And if I can get a game like today, I have a game with, you know, these are professional athletes. I mean, one of my friends that I play with was the number one tennis player in the world when he was 14. I've played, you know, a pickleball with, you know, Sam Querrey, who I went to see in the Wimbledon semifinals five years ago. Jack Sock, who's been top 10 in the world. Marty Fish, Michael Chang. Um, I could never be on a tennis court with these people, but I actually can believe that I can beat them in, in, in this sport, even though I you know, usually can't, but I can come close, you know? No, I was going to say, Doug, before we let you go, we, so we, we crowdsourced a couple of questions from our <laughs> Long Island friends. Yeah. Uh, I, I would say one of them is a good question and one of them is a dumb question. So I think that's a pretty good, uh, not a bad average, pretty good. Average well, we, we texted the crew. I mean, you know, they, they yeah. were super pumped. You know, the Long Island crew was super pumped that we were interviewing you. So nope. they were like, come on, you got to ask these questions. And we're like, no, we're not going to ask that. I'll, I'll start with the good one. This is, uh, this is Mike from Lindbrook. Uh, and he said, 
I want to read it. How does Doug think male friendships on TV are handled now versus when he made Entourage? The friendships on Entourage felt authentic, and I wonder if he feels current shows shy away from being as real as the friendships he depicted because how the culture has changed. You know, I don't watch all that many shows. I mean, you know, Succession, while not a show about friendship, and while a lot of people will watch it and find it, you know, vulgar and obnoxious, you know, those guys are like, to me, that's, you know, the way the family talks to each other is almost like, you know, an entourage group, you know, and um, I'm trying to think what shows I've seen, but even before Entourage, you know, really the way I, I pitched Entourage was about friendships that you don't see. Like Goodwill Hunting was one of the only things around at that time that I felt portrayed how guys really talk and interact with each other. And especially in their, in their twenties. I mean, you know, uh, Entourage, we started getting into our thirties. And as you guys know, usually people start to get families and this and that. And the only time you get to have those dynamics is when you go to Vegas together or do something like that. But, um, I don't even know what shows there are. I mean, you know, there's always, and I try to tell my kids this cause they're watching some of the stuff going on in the culture and going, well, like what's happening to the world. There's always overcorrections. I mean, Andrew Dice Clay, who was on my show, was canceled 30 years ago. And people act like there's never been, uh, you know, PC movements that try to shut people up. Um, I still believe that, you know, great voices and great artists will always find ways to portray things. Ricky Gervais with Afterlife or Chappelle, obviously. Um, Dave, um, you know, they they. they the bear, you know, they know how to keep things actually real. And there's a, a large segment of the audience that still wants to see that stuff. You know, I think, you know, the only difference now is you have this Twitter world that, you know, feels like it's so all encompassing and powerful. But I think the world is kind of swinging back. And even, even with Entourage, you know, I started doing the podcast because all of a sudden, I, like in the middle of the pandemic, I was waking up and there were articles about Entourage, which hasn't been on the air in 10 years, talking about how awful it is, how evil it is, how this. <laughs> and I was like, what in the hell is that? And I know at the core of it, no matter what the words were coming out of people's mouths were, this was a, about a group of loyal people who cared more, much more about themselves than about money or fame or anything else. And um, so, you know. I think uh, I don't know what a good show is that I can think of right now that portrays it well, though. I'm, I'm excited to see second season of The Bear coming up, even though that's more family than friendship. But um, so anyway, that's my I don't know why. But when you said I'm excited to see the second season, for some reason, I thought you were going to say of uh, Sex in the City, the new Sex in the City. <laughs> I was like, that's that was weird. <laughs> now, by the way, you know, a lot of people always ask me about Sex in the City. Sex in the City was a great show to me. Great yeah. show. And it, and it almost felt like. It almost felt like it was a bunch of guys rather than girls, especially when it first came out. There weren't any females in the world that you saw on television talking like that. Now, I hated the movies and I hate the reboot. I thought it was horrific and exactly what you're talking about. Absurd pandering to, you know, bizarre cultural norms and trying to throw in everything, you know, into the mix. And our uh, our other question from our buddy, so from Brad from Plainview, sorry, he he wants to know what Sasha Gray is like and if you still talk to her. So I spoke to Sasha last week, who I'm hoping is going to do the podcast. And, uh, you know, I don't want to act like I know her well, but on the show, she was unbelievable. And, and the way that all came about is I saw um, the girlfriend experience and I legitimately had no idea she was a porn star. And I watched that movie and I was like, I was like, God damn. And then, you know, I, I don't know. I don't even know if Google was out yet, but I figured out that she was a porn star and to some degree, an extreme porn star at, at the time, especially. 
Um, but I wrote this idea and I said, the only person that I'm doing this with is Sasha because she feels like she's not a porn star. And from the moment I met her, honestly, if I didn't know and she told me she was a Harvard graduate who, you know, was or an engineer, she was extremely smart so professional and, and awesome to work with. And uh, we're hoping to get her on the podcast in the next few weeks. So, oh, Well, Brad's going to be very happy that you're still talking to her. <laughs> He's very excited. <laughs> awesome, Brad. <laughs> uh, this, this, was, this was really awesome. I mean, I look, Kara and I are huge, huge fans of Entre. I mean, like, I don't know if a lot of people, you know, come up to you. Like, I came up to you random. I was like, holy shit, it's Doug Ellen. I got to come say hi to him, you know? I mean, like, I just, it just... Felt so authentic, especially to guys like us, you know, Thank from you. Long Island. And it's such a testament to friendship. Like you said, it's about loyalty in our, you know, like our whole crew. I mean, that's like, you know, that's our show. Yeah. So it's so cool that we're getting to do this with you. Yeah. People do come up to me. Usually it's, you know, 40 year old dudes. It's never, like <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's never like, it's never the hot girl at the bar, you know, it's usually a 40 year old dude. Dude, I love it. <laughs> like my friends, you know, but, uh, but I appreciate it guys. And uh, yeah, keep it rolling. You know, Long Island strong. I mean, I love going back, you know, I go back to Merrick. Whenever I go to New York, I've taken my kids to my house. Like we've been to my house probably like every 10 years I've gone back that I grew up because I, I do have memories there that I, I don't know if my kids will have those memories. I mean, I loved where I grew up. I love the friendships I made. And, uh, you know, um, thanks. Dude. This was this was really awesome. This All right, really guys, cool. I appreciate it. Be good. Yeah. Get on that pickleball court. I'm gonna soon. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try and find a court in Sag Harbor. Actually, I saw there's like a sign up for the pickleball court. Yeah, there. I love it. All right. Yeah. Thank right, you, guys. Doug. Be good. All right. See ya. Uh, so that was great. Um, He's the man. Awesome dude. How did you find him? I mean, literally, this is gonna be like here we uh, go. Relatable, Matt. Here we go. Sitting in a coffee shop in Sag Harbor, mm -hmm. waiting for my order. He's waiting there, and I just was like, you know what? Why would I not say hi to Doug Ellen? And that's how I live my life. Oh, you know this. Like, what am I going to do? Like, not say hi to a guy that I really respect and think is awesome. So I went up to him and we just ended up chatting for like, I don't know, an hour. You, you get in these conversations. It's unbelievable. These long conversations. Well, I told him that I, you know, it was funny because I was like, oh, I used to be a lawyer. He's like, my brother's a lawer. And I, yeah. I, I had known that already. Yeah. So we, and his How do you know what he looks like? Who knows what Doug Ellen looks like? I don't know. I don't, yeah. honestly, I don't even know. But the reason I, I guess the only reason I know is, and we didn't talk about this on the episode with him, is he was on Entourage. I meant to tell him I loved his character. Remember? Mm. He was the one who would always like shit on drama in the auditions. Yeah, He'd be yeah. on his phone. Yeah, yeah. That's how I knew who he was. Yeah. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't have known that. Right, right. I did think it was funny when he was like, yeah, it's never, did think it was funny when he's like, yeah, it's never a hot chick who comes out to me. It's always 40 year old losers. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but what I thought was most interesting was not only let's have this incredible crew longer than us. His friend crew is longer and than bigger, our crew. And bigger. It's, he's longer and bigger. He's longer and bigger. He's the better version of us. Is, yes. is Doug Ellen the better version of us? He is a, a version of us. You know what I loved? The best part was when he said he, like, when he met me, the first time he met me, he's like, oh, you reminded me of me when I was younger. Nicest thing anyone's ever said. Oh, yeah. Is it, I guess that. That's yeah, very nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very nice. But I also wanted to interview him because I knew he was huge in pickleball and I keep hearing about how people are making friendships in this whole pickleball realm. Yeah. But I think even zooming out, what we talked about was that he found something he loves. Yeah. 
And he was like, I really want to spend time doing this. He wasn't trying to make new friends. No. He was like, I'm going to do this thing. And then, and then he, he ended up making friends. It's actually funny because when we started talking to him, he's like, yeah, I don't really make new friends anymore. And then right. when he started thinking about it, he's like, well, actually, I've made a lot of friends in pickleball. Yeah. Uh, so I think, you know, the, the prescription here is find what you love and the friends will come. Yes. So if our listeners are out there who like, are maybe looking for friends, a little bit lonely, new, new town, just looking for a greater social life, you and I always talk about like, you're not going out to try to make, you're not going out introducing yourself. I mean, that's something that you do. That's not what we're saying. Go find a great activity and just do it. I also think that when you do something that you really like, you are this version of yourself that you're always wishing you would be. Yeah, you're the best version of yourself. You are. And like, even if you're not like great at this thing, whatever it is, like if you just enjoy it, the best side of you is being presented. And I just think that's attractive on a like chemical level, whatever you want to call it. Like you've got a light around you. Like it's welcoming. Like when you see people that are into whatever that is, you know, if it's a sport like pickleball, whatever, if it's like, if I see somebody with binoculars, like when I'm bird watching, like people see me in the neighborhood, like, and I see like a hawk and I'm up there. I swear to God, the crazy thing is all you have to do in my neighborhood, all you have to do is look up. And when people are looking by, walking by, they start looking oh, up yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. They're like, what's going on? And then like, suddenly I'll just have people who are, have no interest in doing this. Suddenly are like looking up with me at a hawk in a tree. And I'm like, wow, that's so crazy. You yeah, know? Like, yeah, yeah. Why did they stop? Because like they could tell I was genuinely into that thing. Right. Have you ever played pickleball? No. Uh, I played a couple times with my parents. Um, it's pretty fun. Uh, I'm, I don't have good hand-eye coordination, so it's a little tough for me. That's my 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 Achilles heel. Uh, but there was like an old. I was playing against an old guy. I mean, you know, I'm in tip-top shape. Yeah. This guy was late seventies. I'm running, diving. He never moved. Boop boop. I mean, I think that's what people love about it. It's like the yeah. great leveler. Yeah, it is. And by the way, off air post episode, he offered me a pickleball racket. He said, come by my house. That's amazing. Amazing. So I'm going to pick up a Doug Ellen special. Can't wait to see what Doug Ellen's house looks like. He's probably not going to let me in. <laughs> so we always want to shout out our fans. You know, let us know what's going on in your life. Let us know if you want a shout out for a friend who's done right by you. Or Why you are you just, screaming all of a sudden? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I can't control the volume of my voice. Um, so we want to give a shout out to some of our fans who have been really supportive of us. And we want to support you. Uh, so shout out to Fallon, one of our uh, biggest fans out there. Great message he sent us. Really appreciate it. Keep listening. Uh, and guys, that's our show. Remember, be good to yourself. Be good to your friends. Love, Love you, everybody. Buddy.